You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and SJ Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! going on guys welcome to another episode of peer pleasure with dewey halpas on jabberjaw media i am dewey your host with the most bringing you more great content week after week this week we have phil jameson from caspian this was hooked up through my friend monica uh and big shout out to her for always hooking me up with some of the best people in the business uh, she's fantastic but the funny thing is when monica hooks me up with somebody it usually ends up uh going pretty well um, that's how I met Yvette Young from Covet, um, uh, and now Phil from Caspian and, uh, we hit it off pretty much immediately. It was a lot of fun. We, this was just a fun chat where we went all over the place from Pearl Jam to, uh, I mean, everywhere we went all over the place and, uh, I love it when that happens. It was purely natural. Just, uh, we were running around trying to find where we we're going to do this thing, like a parking garage at the Doug Fur, and I was like, dude, let's just do it at this little couch thing in the in the venue, and it worked out pretty good. So you'll hear some music in the background. It's just the background music of the bar, um, but what a cool place to to you know do an interview. I, I like it was funny because as the show kept filling up, people kept coming in and sitting around us, kind of staring at us. At this point, I think a lot of people know what podcasts are, and they don't really flinch when they see two people with microphones and headphones or whatever in a public place. But it was fun because they were just kind of watching us, and I don't know how much of it they were listening to, but 
Uh, more power to them if they were. But big thanks to Phil for coming on. Uh, on Circles is the new record from Caspian. It is a masterpiece. I love that band, and it was so nice to to be able to catch up and talk to uh, talk to Phil. So uh, purepleasurepodcast.com is the website, guys. Check it out for all the new uh, news and links. And uh, you can basically go through the whole catalog of episodes on the website if you want. Um, purepleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me. Uh, I just appreciate you guys coming back week after week. I know I say it every week, but I really do, guys. You guys make this show go around. And, uh, yeah, it's it's strange to put yourself out there this much uh, like we do as podcasters in the world. I mean, a lot of personal things go out and, and things like that. And, and uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing it. And uh, I have no problem, you know, uh, putting myself out there. But it, it's cool to see what comes back at you and, and uh, when you put something out in the world. So a lot of cool things have been happening through the show. And, uh, yeah, guys, I just appreciate all of you guys. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Phil Jameson from Caspian. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. 
And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, So there's a bunch of those on there. So so so-and-so and and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, It's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure.
check, check, check. Perfect. Check one, two. That's wonderful. The music yeah. isn't even too loud. You, is it really good? Yeah. Awesome, man. It's great. Yeah, I'm glad it's working out. Dude. So, yeah. yeah. Very, very cozy environment. I, this glass uh, moose. Yeah. Pretty incredible. We were at the Doug Fur in Portland, Oregon with Phil Jameson. Is it Jamieson or Jameson? Uh, Jameson, yeah. Jameson, perfect. Yeah. Just spelled Jameson. Exactly. Uh, Scottish. I guess with, without, the, <laughs> without the I, it's Irish. Without the E, it's British. And I-E is Scottish. So Perfect. Something like that. Yeah. Dude. So we were just talking about Monica at Speakeasy, who is, yeah, the number one. The best in the business. Yeah, man. She's fantastic. She, she, I do a lot of work with her, and she, I mean, it's insane. Her follows, I'll get an email from her at nine at night sometimes, so she's still working. So she's all over it. She's, she's all over just, it. Yeah, that's great. That's that's what you want a PR person to yeah. be doing, you know? That, yeah. That's really good to hear, man. Yeah, yeah. she's great. And uh, yeah, her roster's insane, as you guys are on it, and mm-hmm. you've seen it. Who else is she doing these she days? She does Tool. She oh, does. She does I've everything heard, Maynard does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this little band that's selling this out some band. arenas. <laughs> What they're do you think of their of, new record? Kind of, they're kind of generic, you know, uh, like cookie cutter. I mean, just, yeah, <laughs> Warp Tour band, you know. Uh, no, the new record, man, I don't know how I feel about the new record. Yeah. I like it, but I don't know. I know Maynard had some frustration mm-hmm. on how long it took to write it. You hear that on, Joe, on the Joe Rogan podcast? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know if that needed to take that long to write. And maybe that's just how they work. Yeah, they were embroiled in some legal battles and stuff, right? And then, like, yeah. I guess that chewed up a lot of their bandwidth. And then, um, you know, you get to that point also, I think, when you're that deep in a, in a career like Tool, where you've covered a lot of bases creatively, and it's sort of like, where do you go from there? What do you do? Um, I think every band, at whatever level they're on, encounters that. And uh, I'm glad they pushed through and made it happen. I mean, there's some, there's some yeah. good shit on there. Yeah, you know? there is. So I don't think it's, like, my favorite Tool record, but, like... It's great. I mean, that song Tempest or Seven Pissed mm-hmm. or whatever. That's just a head. They won a Grammy for that, didn't they? Just Did they? Now, I think they won that. I think they, I saw, I didn't watch the Grammys, but I saw a picture of them holding the Grammy. Did Maynard, was Maynard there? No, it was <laughs> okay, Justin yeah. and Danny. That makes, that makes all, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a w- weird thing thinking about getting awards for making art. It's kind of a weird, I know some people have issues with it, some people don't, but. You can definitely tell. Yeah, we'll, we'll never have to worry about that. <laughs> I don't think so. That's fine. Dude, your record has been, I mean, people have been posting about it everywhere. Right on. Like, yeah. I'm, I've known of you guys for a long time. Uh, back when I was working in, like, an office job, I had, you know, my Spotify on. And yep. I was just, and I started really getting into the kind of post-rock genre. And, like, just started cycling through the bands like this band. Like, if you like this band, listen to this band. Right, recommended if the R.I.Y.L. thing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I think and, a lot of uh, people discover us that way. Yeah. Like, yeah, and it's good stuff. And uh, But I've not seen your name in print in fate, social media as much as I have since this record came out. Like, people are like, I think it's the main thing is just like, like jamming the new Caspian or can't turn off this yeah, new Caspian yeah, yeah. from all over the place i've it's, been seeing a lot of it i mean we definitely took our sweet ass time with this so yeah. it's like i think we uh i think people were anticipating something from us mm-hmm. and um it's been really amazing just to see people reacting to the music and enjoying it um you never you really roll the dice with this stuff these days just because yeah. you know it's we're such a small fish in a huge pond now um especially even with our genre you know, I don't know when it was that you got into us. Was it like 
it decade was, ago or it was about seven years ago yeah. right so i mean even then man in like 2013 there was significantly less amount of post-rock bands oh it's yeah just grown and grown and grown mm-hmm. so even even within that like sort of sub-genre it's easy to get buried and for things to get sort of tucked away um so the fact that anyone you know is giving it ears is really awesome like we're yeah. we're we're, we're stoked, man. I think we're it's just really the time. proud of that thing. So it's the time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that's it's so funny how that happens too because it, it's just like right place, right time kind of stuff. It's kind of weird because it's and once people start talking about it, then you get that buzz. Yeah, you know. But I mean, you guys have been on the forefront of that genre for a long time, like a, a mainstay, I would say, in that genre. Because I mean, there's when you think of post rock and then you think i mean you go back to you know like the explosions in the yep. sky uh I, and i shall watch you from afar like uh caspian like all that's so trippy you know? to me like, but it's, no, it's it's awesome it's cool um i mean i discovered this genre in 2002 from godspeed to black emperor oh, okay i mean dude then it was like godspeed mogwai explosions and then some of those real proto you know like slint and talk talk and mm-hmm. shit like that um, but I mean, there was no one doing this kind of music, and then there was a, sort of this second wave with us and our friends in This Will Destroy You, and um, you know some other homies like Beware Safety, and like, but it still was pretty small. It was fairly contained, and then I, I think this happens with all genres. It just starts percolating and it just starts catching on. And social mm-hmm. media helps accelerate it, and um, yeah. It's, uh, speaking of timing, like that's really kind of what I attribute any of our success to. Because like, <laughs> if we were if we were just starting now, I, I mean, I think we would be totally buried, and I don't know if we'd really stick out. Um, so we were just we were lucky to start doing this when we started doing it. I think sure sixteen years ago, but uh, yeah, that's crazy. That's wild to that's think wild. about. You've been doing that for this it's long. It's kind you know? of insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember like the the. I grew up in like the the. We grew up in Alaska, so we had like my dad worked in radio, uh, and then a gro- manager grocery store. So I'd go with him to watch him record his radio show, uh, and I couldn't keep quiet. So he'd send me in this other room that had just a bunch of records. So I'd just sit there and spin records. Awesome. So I just find in like little, I mean, it was like Wilson Phillips and like like small island Alaska stuff. And uh, but I that's where I got like a, me- a sense for like pop melody, you know, like and I, like it, it cool. spoke to me, you know. So I needed things with a melody. Yeah. So it took me a long time to get into hardcore. So just like, what is this? Like, so you went, you moved here. over to hardcore then, and you like sort oh, yeah. of okay. yeah, yeah. It was funny. Like, well, so what was the hook there? If you're coming from like a melodic sensibility, mm-hmm. was it just the was it the culture? Was it the the energy? Like the yeah, it was. We was moving to Portland because uh, we were still in Alaska. We were just I got into punk rock from there. Like, and so it was just straight up punk rock stuff. Like we had a band called Nice Guy Eddie, so. and we played. We sound like Blink One Eighty Two or Green Day. That was who we wanted to be. If like Green Day can do this, we can do this. Uh, Lookout Records stuff, like, uh, and then we got into like the Fat Records stuff. Yeah. Moved to Portland. Uh, <laughs> I had bought Jane Doe by Converge, yeah. and I've told this to Kurt Ballou. Uh, that record, I fucking hated it. Really? I didn't. I did. I wasn't ready for it. You just, you just like didn't get it. I wasn't ready for it. it. I was yeah. like, what is this? This uh-huh. is awful. And I gave it to Zach from Dude, Portugal the Man. What year was that? Jesus Christ! It would must have been 1996 like, or something. No, 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 no. Jane Doe, Jane Doe, man. Did it come out in 2000? Maybe. 99? Because I bought it at Second Avenue Records here in Portland. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because it looked cool. Yeah. Oh, it looks amazing. So I gave it to Zach from Portugal. I was like, dude, you take this. Like, I can't handle this. It makes me upset. <laughs> and uh, 
later down the line, it became one of my favorite records of all time. But it took me, I think it was che something cheesy. I got in a fight with my girlfriend, and I put on Poison the Well, Tear from the Red. Yep. And I got it because I was mad. And I put it on, and I was like, I get it now. I like music with screaming. Like, I like this stuff. And then it kind of branched from there, which is funny because Poison the Well's melody is, sense of melody is very strange. I'm not familiar. I've so, like heard the, the name a okay. billion times, but... Super, like, heavy, hardcore stuff. Okay. But then there's, like, singing choruses, but it's not, like, screamo stuff. It's just, like, big, swelling choruses, but the, the, the resol whatever you call it, the, where the melody resolves, uh -huh. like you would normally hear a song on the radio and you already are singing it in your head, you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. you know where it's going to go. Totally. They go somewhere else. They'll go flat Damn. or they'll go like dark and just... So it's weird with needing that melody that I would gravitate towards that, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So. I can see it, though. I can see how you could gravitate over to something like that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's cool. And they've gotten on uh, Atlantic Records at that point. Okay. So we ended up doing Warp Tour with them a couple Damn, years later, sick, and then yeah, we've been friends ever since. But it was, I, I was always told them like, if I didn't get in that fight with my girlfriend and put that, and I had one of those little uh, CD alarm clocks. Uh -huh. That's what I put it on. Dude, I remember those. Oh, that's what best. I listened to it on. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Per perfectly fitting for that too. You know, it's kind of coarse and like, yeah. In your food. yeah. So, like, in that area of discovery, like, Cancer Conspiracy, have you heard that band? I mean, Daryl is a good friend of ours. Really? So, Daryl works, uh, co-owns a studio with our friend Will. Okay. Um, who's one of my best friends in the world, uh, down in Connecticut, called Radar okay. Studio. We actually do a lot of rehearsing and pre-production there. Um, but, yeah, Daryl, I think they, well, they did a reunion for the Caleb benefit. Yeah, Schofield. That was up in Boston. It was great to see them, but first time I ever saw cancer conspiracy they were opening for the new deal remember mm -hmm. the new deal sort of like live techno or whatever mm -hmm. and i had no idea who they were and that was really the first band that sort of introduced me to like the triplet delay thing uh -huh. where it's like that um i don't know if that makes sense where it's like that dun, dun, dun. i'm not gonna try to emit oh yeah right now, no, like, no no i mean daryl's just like an, an a master mm -hmm. um so yeah love love cancer conspiracy they spawned our when we, I mean, when we were starting out here in Boston, it was pretty much like we had our little tribe um, from Radar Recordings, and it was mm -hmm. us, Junius, and Constance. Um, and we would all like, you know, be in the van together for like months on end, and like we all sort of were spawned by the Cancer Conspiracy thing in Boston. So they were sort of like the seed there, and mm -hmm. then we were just kind of like the branches coming out of it. That's beautiful because yeah. that is what got me into just in, in, uh, instrumental music in general. They're a gateway drug, man. Oh man, <laughs> I got I found it on some kind of probably a like a early torrent site or LimeWire or something. Yeah, dude. And then I looked at the name and I was like, that's interesting. And then I kind of looked at the explanation. I was like, that makes complete sense. That could absolutely be happening right now. And I went to Second Avenue Records and bought uh, the the one the red cover. It's just their with, faces with the on gold, it. The gold like uh, it's gold like foil itching. Of it. Maybe it's like their faces all like melded yeah. together on. That's it. the classic. I can't. It's oh, the classic I that can't I can't remember the name anymore. of. But yeah, yeah, I can't like, find it anymore, and yeah. it blew my mind. And then I saw like they got all their gear stolen and just stopped. Uh huh. And then from there, then I then I found explosions, and like that was kind of cancer conspiracy was kind of the one that was like. Man, I could listen to this all day. Dude, we were on very similar trajectories. Yeah. yeah. But you were in Boston, so you were, I mean, well, well I was in close Boston. by, right? Yeah, close by, because they were in, I think at that time they were in Burlington, mm -hmm. up in Vermont. Um, but they were all sort of defecting there and back. I never really knew any of those guys, but 
my friends in Junius and Constance befriended mm-hmm. them and uh, put out Omega, their record. I think it was a posthumous record. Yeah, that had like a saxophone yes, on it. And like, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, that's. Well, yeah, no, awesome. Daryl's working with Will uh, down at his studio now, and we get to see him sometimes. It's always good to see him, man. He's a really good dude. That band is unreal. That's awesome. He's, he, so, uh, and then, yeah, ISIS came along into. Well, I mean, not, ISIS didn't come dude. along. ISIS came into my life <laughs> on Oceanic. I yep. come into everything late. Yeah. Like same, it, oh, same, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, um, yeah. So you came from, and they were still over in that area at that ISIS, time, right? Well, I mean, ISIS pre LA. Pre LA, yeah. I used to go see them at like Middle East upstairs on Oceanic yeah. or Celestial. Yeah. Um, I actually think I heard ISIS before I actually heard like post rock. Um, and I was never really like a huge metal guy. Like I was weaned on Zeppelin and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, you know, underground art metal yeah. wasn't really my thing. Um, but I remember just watching them do a show at the Middle East upstairs and just like headbanging. I remember they were playing upstairs and Mogwai was playing downstairs. Oh my God. I was like Mogwai on the Come On Da Young tour. Uh-huh. And again, I, it was 2000, 2001. I didn't know what the hell post rock was at all. Yeah. So I didn't go downstairs. You yeah. know what I mean? I regret that. <laughs> but I saw ISIS upstairs and it was, it was amazing. Um, yeah, the way I got it, it's really kind of a funny story, like how I encountered this genre of music. But um, uh, it was February 2002, and uh, our guitarist Aaron was working at Guitar Center at the time, and it was one of uh, maybe you can picture it, man. It was one of those really bleak, like New England evenings, <laughs> where the I sun can. goes down at four o'clock. <laughs> yeah, and it's like slushy with just like cigarette butts all over like every street and like everyone's just pissed off and sour and like <laughs> it's like a movie set <laughs> oh it's awful i mean it, it is pure hell and it was one of those nights where i was just bored out of my mind didn't know what to do so i went to see aaron at guitar center and uh at this point in time aaron had cat eye contact lenses <laughs> <laughs> like if any of y'all know aaron man like he just he's the sweetest person you'll ever meet but he had these like cat eye contact lenses spiky powdered hair a shirt that said i taste i ate a cat once and it tasted like chicken <laughs> and then what? like just these crazy like jenko pants or some <laughs> shit i was really bored and uh he just uh I, that was when I, I i don't i don't really smoke weed anymore mm-hmm. um but at the time geez like 18 years ago or whatever 20 years ago 18 years ago i would from time to time so he gave me some some weed I went to Newbury Comics. Mm-hmm. Remember, the, remember here the, the record do. store, and I said, "I'm going to walk into Newbury Comics. I'm going to go to the second aisle. I'm going to walk 13 paces, put my right arm out, pick up a record, a CD. Uh-huh. Don't care what it is. I'm going to smoke this joint, go to the beach, listen to the entire record front to back at peak <laughs> volume. I don't care what. Like, <laughs> yo, this could have been like a Mariah Carey record. Yeah, could have been like." That could have been like some Michael Bolton. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I went out, picked it up, didn't even look at it. I remember like putting it on the on the cash register, and there was no band name on the cover. There was no nothing. There was just a picture of like a bomb uh-huh. being dropped out of an airplane. I was like, what the hell is this? So I put it in. I drove to the beach. Um, weather was still really ugly, but it didn't matter. Cranked my stereo, and it was, uh, it was Godspeed, Black Emperor's Yankee UXO. Mm-hmm. And I remember... The first three or four minutes of the first song on that record, 9:15, 2000, um, it's just really weepy, mournful strings. Some really distant guitars in the back, 
I thought I bought like a classical record, mm-hmm. which was fine because I love classical music, but yeah. it was, you know, it was really emotionally stirring. Um, and then out of nowhere on that song, you know, bass and drums come in. I remember that moment like it was yesterday, like my head just like went through the ceiling of the car and I was like, this is a rock record? Like what the <laughs> fuck is going on? And for the next week, I just went to every Newbury Comics. I tried to buy all of their records. They were on Constellation. So there was like the Constellation logo on the bottom right of every CD. And I would just scour every Newbury Comics, every independent record store to buy everything I could from that label. Like I didn't go to work. I didn't talk to my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> like I didn't go to band practice. I didn't do like I just gorged on this music. And uh, I mean, it was it was a game changing little moment, you know. Dude, yeah, man. That's like back when streaming was expensive because you're basically doing the same thing but buying it all. Yeah, exactly. That's insane. Exactly. I love that you said my girlfriend and at the time. Yeah, obviously yeah. that didn't work out. If it, uh, no, it, yeah, yeah, she. I think she's. Uh, <laughs> I think she lives in New Jersey somewhere. It's like married to like some Wall Street dude and has like five kids or something. But perfect. No idea. Perfect. It's yeah. Totally separate directions. Yeah. Oh, she didn't get it. I remember being yeah. like, "You need to listen to this record." She was like, this is kind of boring. And I was like, this isn't going to work. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the guys in my band, uh, God bless them. I mean, good dudes. But I remember showing my band at the time that Godspeed record. And they were like, you know, this is interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I could paint to this, but I don't know about wanting to do this. And I was like, uh. and then a month later, I met Cal and we started Caspian. Because nice. so, he was into this. <laughs> so, yeah. That's like the potted history of all that, I guess. It's yeah. like the, that's an interesting story, dude. And I've I've played the Middle East upstairs. Like I've never did the the the. It was it was weird because it was eighteen and over. Mm-hmm. So like we had a lot of fans that were not eighteen yet, and they're like standing out front, and we're like, really, they can't come in here? And I was like, I've never heard of an eighteen and over rock venue. It was yeah. always twenty one or all ages. Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm. I was weaned on the Middle East, and I'm so used to that eighteen plus that to me it's normal. Uh-huh. But I know it is really kind of makes no sense. That's in yeah. what Cambridge? Cambridge, yeah. Yeah, okay. actually, it's up for sale. They just put it up for sale, which is really, really yeah, interesting. Bizarre. Are they selling it as the ven- like trying to sell the venue, or are they selling just the building? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it's like out here, but out east, especially in, uh-huh. in Boston and the North Shore where I'm at. Everything's just getting swallowed up by developments. Man. So they're just, everyone's building condos. They're building like luxury Mm -hmm. shit um, with a really expensive price tag. Yeah. And it's just a lot of that, a lot of stuff that made all these places desirable and classy are just getting swallowed. Mm -hmm. So the Middle East just seems like the next sort of victim. Next, like the, the latest casualty in, the, in yeah. all of this, I guess. Eddie Vedder isn't going to save that one. Eddie. Like the show yeah. box. It, oh you're you're a Pearl Jam fan? I am Pearl Jam fan. I've seen them 23 times. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Dude, okay, get this. So <laughs> Let's go in on this. My buddy, my buddy Josh, Pearl Jam's his favorite band. And uh, he's so I just, speaking of like building America, ruining the landscape, everything else, uh-huh. I just topped out a hotel today over in Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. We've been plumbing it all the way up and, and just stubbed up through the roof, and there you go. And now the waterfront has another monstrosity in front of it. I saw But yeah. Josh is a friend of mine from work, and uh, his favorite band's Pearl Jam. And we always talk music because he knows I was in music. There's not a lot of people, commercial plumbers, that are musicians. So it's, you know, you seek each other out and talk yeah. about it. Yes. So I took him to see Mastodon. And uh, changed his whole world. Damn. Now, Mastodon's his favorite band. But Mastodon are awesome. When I started this podcast, I was like, I'm going to get Eddie Vedder on this podcast. And that's my goal. I was like, and then, and he said he wouldn't listen to it until I did. So I'm 100 and something episodes in. I have not had that opportunity yet. But I told him I was going to start hashtagging 
Freddy Vetter on everything <laughs> I put out and wait for him to catch on and be this. like, are you seeing this? Who's the fuck's Freddy Vetter? Put it on the T-shirts, everything, until he takes notice and like, uh, okay, and he would listen. Anyway, his How uncle, can I help you with his this un- mission? <laughs> I will do whatever. Like, Dude, yeah. next record, next casting record, hashtag Freddy Vetter. <laughs> I'll, 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 every post from now on post. will include that. And uh, his, so his uncle is Eddie Vetter's neighbor up in Seattle. Doesn't like Pearl Jam. Eddie brings him over like uh, stuff, like gifts and stuff. Like he brought him a book, and uh, he it was like a Pearl Jam book uh-huh. that he signed and left two tickets to their show in Seattle. And he didn't even read the book. He didn't go to the show, and he didn't call Josh to say, "Hey, do you want these tickets?" Oh, knowing my. it's his they just went band. to wa- they went to waste. He just, it sat on his desk. He's like, "Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't. I don't care." That's savage, man. That's brutal, dude. So many little connections, but yeah. Oh my so goodness. Josh spent what three hundred something dollars on tickets, like in the nosebleeds, to go up to Seattle and see them at those hometown shows they did at, yeah. at Safeco or whatever. What kind of uncle is that, man? dude? That's a shitty one that's, for sure. That's or terrible. just a, maybe since he's Eddie Vedder's neighbor, he's probably got a good job and is a little bit uh, I was gonna aloof. Say, yeah, you know? maybe out of touch a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He may listen to something completely different. What's your but, What's your favorite Pearl Jam record? Oh man, I well. I got into them on 10. Yeah, sure. So 10 is, I mean, and that's that's when they were, I didn't know, this is going all over the place, which I love. I didn't know that uh, until recently that Eddie Vedder's roommate was Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine. And that he actually brought him up to try out for, and it wasn't a good fit. And then he went back and joined Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, because Jack Irons was the dude. So Jack Irons was the original Chili Peppers drummer Mm -hmm. or the second Chili Peppers drummer. And he was going back and forth between Seattle and San Diego where Eddie lived or mm-hmm. something. And then, like, gave, he was the liaison. Like, Stone gave Jack the tape to give to Eddie. And then Eddie sang over it. And then he brought it back to Stone and Jeff. And they were like, this is great. And then he went up there. And then Jack Irons became their drummer after Dave Aberziz left. Mm-hmm. Or Eddie kicked him out, I guess. I love how I'm on, like, a first-name basis. With yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. With Freddie and everybody yeah. else. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's real quick. That's how that started is I said, how important is a name? If his name was Freddie Vetter, they would not be famous. I no guarantee way. it. That's what I'll say. Who's that singer? Oh, it's Freddie Vetter. Who the fuck is that? Fred Eddie's Vetter. way cooler. Fred Vetter. Yeah, Frederick Vetter. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Vetter is just uh, it's iconic. Yeah. You know, you hear those. Pearl Jam uh, may be a bar band still if his name was Freddie Vetter. Yeah, <laughs> I might not ever be able to dissociate that ever again. You're welcome. I like, I mean, 10 was awesome. Yeah, I loved it back at home. Oh, but man, to me, like, you know, I think I found like, I think with a band like Pearl Jam, you always find yourself like wanting to defend them to mm-hmm. people because everyone just associates them with this like guttural, like masculinity thing. Mm-hmm. Um and some cheese ball shit, whatever. And I always like whenever I go to the mats for Pearl Jam. I don't do this anymore because I'm I'm 40 and I don't like. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I don't need to convince anybody anymore. Like those that ship sailed. But I think that that era around Vitology and No Code, um, to me, which so it was like 94 through 96, when Jack Irons was in the band, was just I mean, two or three year stretch there that inspirational on every level to me as a as an artist um a musician a human being Mm -hmm. someone trying to like navigate this whole thing as like an independent um in in, in any rock band um you know that's when they were fighting Ticketmaster and stuff yeah 
and um, they were just trying to eschew like the big, you know, like they, that, that was not for you. You know, that song mm-hmm. on Vitology where just like kind of giving a middle finger to all the frat boys that were like, whatever. Yeah. Um, I just love that era. It was so salient for me and it has always stuck around. I thought like Yield was cool. Binaural was cool. And then it just sort of like around 2002, it just started to ameliorate for me. And mm-hmm. that's when post-rock and other stuff took over. But there was a really sweet spot there with that band, man, that I'll forever be indebted to. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, there's yeah. always there's <laughs> they're weaving through both our lives. Like I worked after I I left Portugal the Man, uh I needed a real job, so I went and just first place that was by my house was a target. So I went and I was like, I want a job. Yep. They hired me, I went into management and then I went into like corporate with them for a minute. Um and <laughs> we had the exclusive. What was that Pearl Jam record that came out with the uh the uh backspacer on it? Um, oh yeah, see that's see that's see that's the thing. I don't even think I've heard that record front oh, to back. Perfect, because um, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But the 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 what's it called though? It's that's gonna bug me now. I did like that song back. That maybe the record was called Backspacer, or was the song? What, the song? Uh, that was the oh oh the, it the, the uh, it's called the something the uh, the song yeah, yeah it's Backspacer's yeah, the record yeah. yeah yeah it's called the the fixer the fixer yeah. okay so. <laughs> We had the Target exclusive on that record, and so it has to, everything has to be approved by the band, and blah, 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 blah. A couple of the stores didn't have their displays up in time, and uh, Mike McCready went in, like, checking stores out to check Damn. the night before. Boots on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> boots on the ground. I get an email in the morning. The, the title of the email is, Pearl Jam is not happy. <laughs> Dude, and I was like, insane. are you serious? Like, what? Yeah, it was, it was oh to me God, and my I boss. I love this. Pearl Jam is not happy. And apparently he was not happy because at the time it was starting to drop. They were dropping at 9 o'clock one of these nights or something. Uh, the display was not displayed <laughs> at this store in Enumclaw or wherever the hell it was in Washington. Everything else was set except this one store he happened to go into. That's Pearl Jam so, yeah. is not happy. And I was like, first I was like, why do I give a shit? And then I was like, this is, I'm going to remember this one. This is funny. Dude. Like... Yeah, the, yeah. Oh. Mike McCready just kicking it in a Target. Yeah, <laughs> just like I remember seeing that and being like, "Wow, it's really odd, like an odd bedfellow for Pearl Jam." Uh-huh. Um, so I'm surprised they were pissed that it wasn't at Target. And they played the they national like, sales meeting. I'm pretty sure that year, which is like the most corporate, ridiculous. Oh, oh, oh it's awful. Pearl Jam played the corporate. National sales meeting. National sales meeting. Uh Where all the store managers fly to Minneapolis to the headquarters and watch like Will Smith or Shakira or whoever the Target exclusive is. I mean, it's. I'm sure there are some Pearl Jam fans working. You know, like that's cool. Yeah. That's real. That's mad weird though. Yeah. They'll never be dead to me. Yeah. Have you heard the new song that they released? Okay. I I wanted to ask. You haven't listened. I have not. I keep seeing. I thought it was all clickbait, and then they finally said they were like, uh, "Pearl Jam announces giant tour with so and so." It was definitely. Well, I mean, it sounds like the Talking Heads. Yeah, and uh, musically, it's really experimental. It's got a super weird title, doesn't it? Uh, March of the Clairvoyance March or something. Of Dance of the Clairvoyance. Dance of the Clairvoyance. March of the okay. Clairvoyance would be a little more aggressive <laughs> and hostile. Um, but That's it was one of those things where it was like they haven't experimented really musically since Binaural twenty years mm-hmm. ago. As far as I know, like I said, I'm not well versed in their catalog over the last 15 or so years, but 
I feel like every song they've put out, or every at least every lead single they've had, has been sort of in that like Ramones punk vibe. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but just never really gelled. When they started to like approach music like that, it's just a, I don't know, something about it just didn't click for me. But musically, it's it's interesting. It's really it's different. But then Eddie started singing, and it was like I bristled a little. It was, mm-hmm. it was just like this does not work. Um, I listened to it a couple more times. And uh, I quite like it. Okay, I think it's I think it's all right. I'll you check know? it out tonight. Yeah. Cause I just I I just haven't had a chance. It keeps falling out of my radar. Like I, you a, gotta like let me know what you think of it, dude. I will. I, I, now that I know we share this, like, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. Be curious. The the affinity for Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about but then you think back as I'm saying that Freddie Mercury, yep. Eddie Mercury would probably not be famous. Well, what if Freddie Mercury? What, what if it? Freddie Vedder had Maybe a mustache though? Maybe it's a stash thing, dude. You know? Maybe. Yeah. The stash know. decides. Yeah, or he started wearing like leotards and <laughs> shit or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, this, <laughs> I was a big fan of Freddie's work on uh, Into the Wild. That soundtrack for that movie was, the, with the it was good. Oh yeah. god! Yeah. Do you like Such his ukulele stuff? Yeah, I yeah. do. And the the that cover they did of uh, Rain Over Me good stuff. gives me goosebumps. Yeah, still. Yeah. That's that one of my favorite Who's songs. Yeah, they That's did a great insane. job with that. Yeah, I love listening. Man, those solo ukulele records. Love listening to those at the beach. Mm-hmm. It's a really great beach record. Yeah. Um, I take beach records pretty serious. Do you? <laughs> that's my that's like my my natural posture is up yeah. in New England in the summer is just kicking it on the beach. So, so you're not blasting Credence out there, I'm guessing then. Hell no. Dude, see over here Credence is the on a boat barbecue any kind of backyard anything. Up in Oregon. Yes. Because right, I, I feel like that would be a like an Alabama move or something. Dude, or like a deep south. It's but. thick up here. Wow. Oh yeah. Always full of surprises, this area. Yeah, you know? yeah. And our see, our beach isn't very nice anyway. I mean, it can be, but it's kind of rocky. How far are you from the ocean here? Like, hour and twenty minutes, maybe. Okay. Yeah, and it's just, and that's just because it's a two-lane road that takes you out there. Once you get past like Hillsboro and all that out you there, you get towards the Astoria and mm-hmm. stuff. Or, yeah, 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 Astoria. Then like, there's Tillamook, there's Rockaway. I'd, I'd love to get out there. I'm, I'm never. In Washington, Washington State, and Oregon, I've never made it to the Pacific out here. California, obviously. Oh but, yeah, of course, yeah. you're right there. Oh yeah. Where are you guys after this? Uh, we're going to Vancouver tomorrow, and then we're coming down to Seattle. Okay. We got a gig in Seattle on Sunday night. Then Monday we're gonna do a KEXP session, which we're really stoked oh, about. Oh yeah, Okay. Dude, stoked. Have you guys done Audio Tree? Oh yeah. Oh, um, I have to check that. So out. we've done. Here's here's a cool Audio Tree deal, like. We've done two audio tree sessions in Chicago, mm-hmm. but we did this gig in our hometown of Beverly last November where we played with an orchestra. So Aaron and I and Cal scored for uh, an eight-piece orchestra, five-piece brass section, and um, did a really old theater in our hometown right across the street from my apartment. And audio tree came out and filmed the whole thing. Seriously? Yeah, dude. So we're like we're we're parsing out material from it. I think we've got two songs from it out right now, but we're gonna have all like eighteen songs out within a couple months. It'll come out just like as a record and a yeah, DVD yeah. or something. Or I like don't know. I, I think right now the plan is to just uh, it's on our label's YouTube channel, uh-huh. um, but it looks amazing. Austin, who runs most of their stuff, is just a total total G, mm-hmm. awesome dude. Um, so yeah, he brought a crew of five guys out there, and they they killed it, man. They they captured wow. like, 
they, they captured like the performance really well, but they also captured the essence of the room and the vibe of the night like yeah. expertly, which was it's great. Really excited for people to see that man. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, Audio Tree is awesome. How so? You said you scored it, right? like you. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you I, have like technical I, training in music? I, I don't. Uh, Aaron does. Okay. Um, so I mean, for the stuff that I scored, I mean, I'm you know, with MIDI programming and software and uh -huh. stuff now. Like you can just bang this out with a MIDI keyboard. Um, so like I would, I would score my my song that I was going to be working on, and I'd run it up the flagpole through Aaron, mm -hmm. and then he would just make sure that it was all sort of like presentable yeah. to the musicians. Um, and then we had we had two three-hour rehearsals with them, which was nowhere near enough. But yeah. we made it happen for the show, and it was it was really special, man. That was that was one of the best nights of my whole life. That's incredible. Yeah. That's something I've never gotten the chance to do. Like we, I mean, the Portugal guys take take a string section with them now uh, every once in a while. Not when I was with them. So like, right. I've never had, but I get those feelings. I could just evoke so many feelings. It's like it, I mean, these new colors, little, these little subtleties, yeah. and like, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of Dessa. You know, who Dessa is from yes. Doomtree. Yes, she just did that record with the Minneapolis Orchestra or whatever, Minnesota Orchestra. Uh, I got, I got to listen. Dude, to that. it's it's out now. It's it's incredible. Sick. Like, so she came to town here at the Aladdin Theater three weeks ago, and I went. I texted her. I was like, Hey, you know, can I get the show? She's like, Oh, absolutely. Like, we brought some birthday stuff in for TM. And she didn't tell me that she was doing like two different sets. Mm -hmm. First set was her. Uh, uh, Moniker is the band that she was touring with. Okay. They're from Chicago. Yep. Um, they were her backing band, but they opened the show. And then she did a set with the singer from Moniker, uh, and then another gal, and then uh, a string section. Dude. And she was basically go went back there and just kind of gave them the rhythm. Could totally. And went it. out and nailed it. It was crazy. And then came out and did the full set afterwards. It's like you get, you know, we're using three guitars, bass, drums, and then some auxiliary stuff when we're writing and recording. Um, so you have like a, a color palette there. Mm -hmm. When you get these strings and horns on board, man, you just get like these different shades of blue and these different shades of red, like this crimson that you've never had, mm -hmm. or like a fuchsia or something that like, you can really, I mean, obviously what we're trying to do is really melodically driven. Mm -hmm. um, it's. Like it's a big wall of sound, obviously, but like we're really trying to like. It was a great opportunity to really like take a scalpel to all the melodies and really just like accent harmonies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, it was very time-consuming, um, but it was absolutely worth it. And now that we have the scores, it would be cool to take it on the road, you know. Yeah. But um, may, maybe sometime. Like you know, some, like the small road. theaters and just small like really. Theaters, yeah. um, yeah. There's one called uh, uh, the Alberta Rose Theater here. Okay. Like Henry Rollins comes and does stuff there all the time. Nice. It's smaller than the Aladdin Theater, but it is such an intimate little venue. It's what about, seated. Is like, Hawthorne still going here? Hawthorne's still going, <clears throat> yeah. Mike Thrasher, who does most of the shows in town, owns the Hawthorne Theater. I so love that place. He can, yeah, yeah, it's a good venue. Um, we did Dante's way back in the day. Oh, geez, with the stage that's as tall as you are? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, the weirdest venue. Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but there's a new one in town. Well, a new-ish venue called the Star Theater. Okay, it's great. Nice. It's set up so cool, and it's—I mean, it's—it's it's right across the street from the Roseland. Um, but yeah, a lot of bands are really digging the Star Theater. They just don't cool. have a good—I wouldn't say a good promoter. They don't have like the big promoter throwing shows there. They don't you know? have the muscle behind it. Yeah, like, uh, 
Like, I think a lot of bands that don't know about it would really enjoy playing there. And then there's Revolution Hall up the street, uh, which is an old high school that they turned the auditorium into a venue, and then all the other stuff's bars. It's I love crazy. that kind of stuff, man. It's awesome. You know, I yeah. saw Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top there. That must have been My friend Ray legit. got me in on the stage. Like, he's like, there's no more seats, but you can just cruise up there by the keyboard player. And I'm literally, from me to you, watching Billy Gibbons play guitar. It was insane. <laughs> That's unreal. It was insane. Dude. I'm just watching his hands. And then he gave me the, I've said this before on the show, but he gave me the finger guns. Like, looked at me and gave me the finger guns. Like, hey, man, all right. Dude, that's bucket list. Didn't get to meet him, but there I was there. Wow. I've been on the other side of the wall from Ozzy doing vocal warm-ups in Mexico City. And just, like, the weirdest places, like, all from... Primarily from the show. Like, yeah. That's where it comes from. More you have so some than awesome music. stories, dude. It's funny, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. But, like, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you never know where it's going to go. Yeah. Ozzy doing vocal warm ups. Yeah. What was yeah. that like? Mexico City. It was insane. It gave me chills. Yeah. Because. Is he so belting? Like. It was, it was crazy. So, like, uh, my buddy Blasco plays bass for him. Mm. So, my, uh, the guy who owns the network, the Jabberjaw Network, uh, Mike Mowry, um, Text me. He's like, "Hey, you should come to Mexico City with me." You know, we're the, he's traveling with Refuse. He was still managing them at the time. Yeah. Flies, fly like flies to Mexico City. So he's like, uh, "Yeah, you should come with me. It's your birthday this weekend." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, man. Cool, whatever." Like, just joke. I was like laying in bed, like texting this. Next text was a plane ticket, and I was like, "No." And <laughs> I look at my passport. It's expired. And yeah. I was like, "Dude, my passport's expired." And I'm like supposed to fly out on Thursday. Yeah. This is Monday. And uh, he's Expedite like, well, figure it out. Yeah. It's all paid for, the hotel, everything. 700 and something dollars later, get my passport. FedEx gets the plane with my passport on it, overnighting from the center or whatever, gets stuck in a snowstorm at the oh. hub. I don't get it till the following morning, so I miss the whole first day of the festival and get there like 10 o'clock at night. So you had to change the ticket and everything. Yeah, but I made it there, and Ozzy was night two. So night one was Deep Purple and yeah. all the and uh, Refuse Mastodon. They were all there. They were already Mastodon was already ways. I walk in, Brent Hines is just like in a serapa, just fucking yep. drooling on himself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so anyways, we get back to the 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 place. We have lunch or breakfast with Blasco, and and we get like the Aussie God Pass, right? Because Aussie has his own his own security. Yeah. So like, we're staying in a hotel room here. Next to next is Dave Mustaine, Rob Halford, all the. At this little hotel in Mexico City, Ozzy and Marilyn Man, Ozzy is staying at the Regal, which has like the marble floors. Yep. And Marilyn Manson is staying at the Four Seasons. Everyone else is staying at this shitty hotel. I mean, how many people are at this festival? Like tons. Five hundred thousand people. Twenty thousand, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's massive. It's called Heaven and Hell Fest. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, so we're literally at this hotel with all these people. Anyways, we have breakfast with Blasco. Gives us the pass. And uh, <laughs> so we get through to at the show. Like Ozzy's got his own area. He's brought in with armed guards. Armed guards. Whisked in, yeah. Like people with Uzis. Like the cartel is a big worry down there with someone like him. So that uh, makes total sense. Yeah. They they hub from the plane. They have a plane, like a fucking full on plane. Not a not a private jet, <laughs> just like a, a fucking Led Zeppelin jet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyways, they're at the the hotel. They get whisked over. And we cruise back there, and uh, Ozzy's in his dressing room, which is the festivals. I'll have those, like, you know, it only goes up a certain height, and there's right. no ceiling. So you don't really know where you are you, uh-huh. and who's in there. Yeah, you get uh, easy to get disoriented. And, yeah. 
So anyways, it's just Ozzy's area, and you know, Blasco and, and Zach are jamming in the warm-up room. And uh, so I walk down the hallway, and uh, the security's just one person sitting there. And I was like, hey, man, how's it doing? He looks at my pass, like, cool. And there's a seamstress making this big purple thing in the one room, and I sit on this bench, kind of like this, and there's one of those walls. And I hear someone fumbling with a phone, and then all of a sudden I hear, like, me, 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 me. But it's Ozzy. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, that yeah, voice yeah, that I've been hearing since I was a child. Can you can you impersonate it? Right next to me. <laughs> I'm like right on the edge of trying, but I'm not gonna do it. Dude, I, it's that it's it's weird. It's not like a it sounds it doesn't sound fake. It's a, he no one sounds like him. No one. So but it's him doing scales to a thing on his phone. And I'm literally sitting like two feet from uh, through a cardboard wall basically. Part of me wanted to just walk in there and just like, you know, fuck it. If I piss Blasco off, fine. I'm gonna go introduce myself to the boss. I didn't, but I just sat there, and I'm just, it's one of those moments in your life, like when you're at the beach playing that record, yep. right? Yep. I am in Mexico City randomly on a whim for 24 hours, sitting on a bench listening to Ozzy warm up before he goes out and annihilates 20,000 people. Those little, like, accidental collisions, like, yeah. those are the best, man. Yeah. And then I made it on stage before the stage manager noticed I didn't have both credentials and kicked oh, me off with two songs. You, off. you just got. But I was right there, man. It was awesome. Dennis Dude. from Refused and I had our arms around each other singing "Bark at the Moon" at like midnight on my birthday. It was insane. That's the that's in the, the press area of the barricade, top of the mountain, right there. That's Dude. above first row. Like, oh my god, it's crazy. And uh, yeah, this is a huge tangent. That's I met Marilyn Manson in there too. What was, and, uh, what was he like? <laughs> He's great. He's a huge Refuse fan. Yeah. So he had Dennis come back to the green room and hang out. But like, seems like a really articulate, intelligent guy. He is. Yeah. He is. But he's. It's funny because it was his first show back after breaking his legs. When the, he had this big like yeah. gun statue or whatever that mm -hmm. fell on him, and uh, he's doing his thing. We literally were taking a nap. We were wiped out, like tired, jet lagged, everything. Like, uh, and I was like, dude, I have to see Marilyn Manson. Like, we have to do this. And Mike's like, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll roll in there. We get it. Festival Transport takes us there. He's starting. We're right in the front, right in the barricade, and he comes on stage and opens with the irresponsible hate anthem. Sick. Little did I know, Juan Alderete was playing bass for him at the time, but he had makeup on, so I didn't recognize him and I didn't say anything. Uh huh. Uh. Anyways, that's a whole other tangent. But anyway, so Manson gets off stage. I see all the security, like around him, and people are trying to get pictures with him. And I know I have the God Pass, so I'm going to wait till he gets God back to the pass. real area where not everyone's buddy is because Mexico City. Oh, I have, I'm security. I have seven friends I'm going to bring uh -huh. to backstage. Oh, we played there once. Our, yeah. Dude, he's walking back. He's like hobbling. Like he's all covered and smeared in makeup. Like because it, beautiful people, he smears black all over his face. Okay. He looks like absolute shit. Yeah. And <laughs> he gets back to where I'm at, and I'm like, Manson, Manson. He's like, Yeah. And I was like, Dude, let's get a picture. And he's like, and I felt so cheesy, but I told Mike, I'm, I'm getting a selfie with Marilyn Manson. Yeah, of course. Got to get in there. It, <laughs> he's like, uh, uh, and just kind of swipes my phone away. Yep. And I'm like, dude, I fucking flew from Portland, Oregon for this. Oh, you started giving him And the he said, he stops, completely lucid, looks at me and says, that's a fucked up thing to say. Give me your phone. I'll take it. And he takes my phone. He's like, you ready? And he starts making the faces. And he's like, all right, you ready? Let's do this. And he's like, no, do this thing. Shit. So I got the selfie. I'll show you after this. It's I, hilarious. I have to see this. But, uh, yeah. So I walked over to Mike, who was already wasted. And I'm like, hey, did you catch Manson? And he's like, yeah, I watched some of it. Or was ever like, oh, I did. 
no shit, you got it. <laughs> and then he finds out Dennis is in the back with Manson in his dressing room, just having a chat. He's a huge Refuse so fan. So he said, he said, that's the most. He, he said, said that's a fucked up, up thing to, to say. say. Give me your phone, I'll take it. Wow. So the selfie with Manson is him. So he took the selfie. You so really broke through though. There, you got to the dude. That's... I was bigger than his security. <laughs> he had one like assistant security guard guy, <laughs> and he looked at me and was gonna like swipe at my phone, and I looked at him. I mean, he must have known I wasn't a threat because sure. I was just kind of hanging back, and yeah. I said, "Hey, you know, hey Manson, you know, I didn't say Brian." Yeah. I kept it going. I kept the mystique. What if you had said Brian though? I wonder how that would have. <gasps> Damn. Excuse me, Freddie. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Fred. Hey, yeah, Marilyn Morgan. Hey, Brian. Bri. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> hey, Brian. Just I one pick. Your one snap. High school. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, that was that was fucking weird. And then yeah, we met Jack Black from Tenacious D, of course, and like he, they were all there. Everyone was there. Sounds. Uh, how long ago was this? This again? was uh, 2018 May. Oh, so two years ago. Yeah. I rode back to the airport with wow. uh, Rob Halford and the guys in Judas Priest in a uh -huh. van. Uh, and then, yeah, it was the weirdest experience of my life. It was in May. May. Yeah. Hot as, hot as hell. Rain, it was a, a rainy, monsoon tropical. rain. Refuse got rained out. The crowd left, wow. like parted. Pedals were destroyed, so like Dead Cross played. So uh, my buddy JP from Dead Cross uh, was like, dude, my pedal board's destroyed. Like he was in the hotel room all night trying to fix it. That's crazy. Wild, man. But this is nothing. This is, yeah. Oh, we played there, like, I think it was like three years ago or something. And uh, wonderful people. Mm -hmm. Best, nicest folks. Oh, yeah. Uh, so enthusiastic. I mean, just mm -hmm. effusive as, as they come. And, uh, yeah, we got. I want to get back down there. Amazing food. Went to Teotihuacan, saw the pyramids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we did not do that. We didn't have time. Totally we worth did, it. We went to the Frida Kahlo uh, Museum. Almost went. Tried. It was awesome. I think it was closed the day we tried to go or okay. something. But um, yeah, one of our guitarists got food poisoning down there. That was, that nice. was gnarly. Uh, I was peeing out the back for three weeks after yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Seems kind of like par for the course. Uh -huh. But that was a great place, man. I either brush my teeth with the water or uh, I was trying to be smart. They, they brought me a glass of ice. For my bottle of Coke, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, no thanks." But I did some, something there. I yeah, it got me somehow. Montezuma's revenge might man. have been the it's, yeah, it's might have been the real, catering. Real thing. <laughs> it was street tacos back there. I, I gave you tickets for it, and I can't do I, it. I just uh, can't do it. Yeah. Mm. I loved it. I loved it very much. I would absolutely go back. Yeah. We ended up in some weird spots there. It was a weird fucking trip. You been to anywhere else in Mexico or just uh, no? Uh, well, Juarez and uh, Juarez. Tijuana, but yeah. never. I've never gone to, like a resort. And I want to uh, go to Baja. I want to go to like somewhere that's right down like below uh, San Diego, yeah, like yeah, right in that just peninsula. Keep, just keeps going that peninsula. That's yeah. Like, um, yeah, I don't know what's there, but it's just one of those. There's there, and then there's this remote area in Labrador and Newfoundland mm -hmm. that just like. I don't know what's going on. Like, it just it just looks remote as fuck. Mm -hmm. And I just want to just get out in the middle of nowhere and go check it out. Dude, have you seen that island in Iceland that everyone says is Bjork's house? No. There's one house on an island with a dock. And they've said, it like, the, I don't know if this is true or not. I think it's a myth. They said the government of Iceland gave that house to Bjork as a gift, like like let her live there because she's one of the biggest things to come out of Iceland. It has to be Bjork's. I mean, but it's literally one house, on, and the mountain. You'll have to Google it after this. But how, how far from the mainland is it? I or don't the, know, but it's got a dock, 
and you go up this big set of stairs, and the, it looks like it looks like someone broke off like a. Uh, okay, do you eat artichokes? I don't. I, I have the eating taste of like a five year old okay. boy. So. Well, if you look at an artichoke heart when it's whole, that's <laughs> what the island looks like. It's scooped, uh-huh. and it's green with one house, and then it's just sharp cliffs. Dude. It's insane. It looks like someone just pushed it out of something. And, uh, can you see this shit on like Google Maps? Yes, you can. Right, I'm it, checking it, that out. There's a name this. of this island. Right. But if you like these like remote, interesting places, like uh-huh. you're talking about, like we're just kind of in expanse, that's one place. Fascinating, dude. Next time you guys tour Europe, you can take Iceland Air, dude. You can you can stay as long as you want. Do it. Yeah, Iceland's bucket list, man. Have, Have you been not been there yet. No, I haven't either. I haven't been. It's like I don't know. It seems like it's getting kind of inundated with like white boy tourists uh-huh. and shit. So I. I always kind of wanted to go there for like a honeymoon if I had a honeymoon. Okay. You know. Um, That'd be an interesting spot. Yeah. yeah Do you yeah. like fish? I love fish. Like smoked dried fish? Like I like smoked fish, but they do. The one thing I had once, and obviously it wasn't in Iceland, but it was uh, with an, friend, an Icelandic friend, was uh, their fermented shark. And uh, I've got to say, like, it was the most foul thing. I have ever, <laughs> I mean, like, ever eaten. Um, wow. It was messed up, dude. Yeah. Like, I don't even like thinking about it. I was like, oh, I, think <laughs> I, remember Anthony, I think Anthony Bourdain said it was the one food that he would also uh, never eat again. The only thing he would, like, oh. had once and would never try for a second time. Yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, fish in Massachusetts is mm-hmm. like a staple. Yeah. Uh, whether it's you know haddock, halibut, scrod, lobster, shrimp. Dude, halibut uh, might be the best. Uh, seafood oh, yeah. for me, halibut is the end and all. Dude, yeah. You ever dude. do a little baked haddock? That's, yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Dude, did you know you can cut the cheeks out of a halibut? No. Halibut cheeks. They're they're they're. You scoop it out and you throw it in some butter like a scallop in the microwave or a pan real quick. It's like the butteriest scallop you've ever had. That sounds amazing. It's, it's crazy. We've discovered it when we lived. We lived on a little island before I moved to Wasilla. Yeah. Until I was eleven in in Alaska. Yeah. We went out fishing just every night. What do you halibut. want? Halibut, salmon, blah blah. So ha- it's a cheek. Yeah. They call it's a cheek. So it's this little bit of meat you can scoop out right by the. Yeah. I'm all about crazy. that, man. Yeah. That's oh, great. Halibut cheeks. Yeah, we do a lot of that up in New England. Um, swordfish is probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you prepare a swordfish properly, which I. I've tried and failed at many times. It is the it's the most delicious thing in the world. I think you know. I have to try it. A little lemon pepper, a little uh-huh. butter. In the summertime, man, you go over a, over a charcoal grill. Yeah. Get a little Sam Adams on there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just a touch. Incredible. Dude, do you have you ever put mayo on fish when you're I, grilling it? I don't. I'm not, a, I'm not a mayo guy. Yeah. You can't taste it. Yeah. It moistens the. It's it's insane. I I've done it on chicken too. Yeah. But uh, on salmon, a little mayo on salmon. When you're seasoning it, it yeah. just like melts right in, and you don't even notice it. You don't even know it's there. No, it you don't know it's right mayo. Yes, yeah, because that's gross. I back that. If you think that, about that's it, that's cool. All it does is see. It's like using applesauce when you make a cake to make it more yeah. moist okay. instead of oil. Those I love experimenting tricks. with anything like fish prep. Man. Yeah, like, uh, it's the only thing I can cook well. So it's fish, but yeah. you have the taste of a five-year-old. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's that's the New Englander in me, I guess. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't really like. England I'm not good at eating my vegetables. I'm not good at like <laughs> exotic stuff. Um, yeah, I can always get better at it. But yeah, no. dude. So, well, I went on and on about this crazy Mexico story. Have you met any of your heroes through music doing this? Um, 
right place, right time, or even like festivals or things like that, to where you had like That's interesting. A great question. Uh, no, not you know, not really. Um, I mean, I've never like sat down and had a conversation, or mm-hmm. even uh, yeah. Um, I was always the guy growing up that was like outside the venue at two in the afternoon, waiting to get an autograph from yeah. you know Richard Ashcroft or Noel Gallagher mm-hmm. or Jimmy Page um, or Eddie Vedder. And I was, you know, I was always the dude. Like my mom would drop me off in the minivan, and like <laughs> I just sit out front with like a record and a yeah. magic marker, and like, you know, yeah. But I, that's probably the closest I've got. But I've, yeah, I've never had any like sort of happy accidents like that. Okay. You know? yeah. But you'd be the kind of guy that would go up and say something if you did see uh, them. No, I mean I'm like I'm impossibly shy. Okay. Like, I'm like cripplingly. See, I wouldn't shy. think that from this conversation we've been having. Uh, no, well you're easy but, to talk to. Well, well, thank you. I so are you. Like I, I think I don't know. I I'm I'm trying to remember. Like, okay, there's this artist named Vast. Have you ever heard of Vast? I've uh, seen it. Yeah, I've seen the name. Around 2000, turn of the millennia. So electronic. Was, yeah, kind of okay. like kind of electronic, kind of gothy, mm-hmm. alt, uh, very like you know 2000s. Okay. Um, he had a song called The Gates of Rock and Roll Will Never Close on me, which is a really dramatic title. Yeah. And uh, my buddy and I went down, you know, at 1 o'clock to try to get his autograph. His bus pulled up. He got out of the bus, and, you know, I, like, shoved a record in his face, and he was drinking a Diet Coke or whatever. And, like, I was like, thanks, man. Like, love the records. Big fan. Like, good luck tonight. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, man. And then right as he left, we were just like, the gates will never close, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave this, like, the stupidest look yes. to us. Yes. I think, I think it was, like, right as I started petering out me, like, going to, yeah, try to try to just get, like, a picture with my heroes or something. But <laughs> Dude, those are things you'll never forget. Yeah, I, I remember waiting for Richard Ashcroft, the singer of The Verve, uh-huh. um, one of my favorite bands of all time. And uh, this is probably like in like nineties. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, they obviously they had like bittersweet Sim- uh-huh. symphony, which exploded them. But not I mean, the up verve to- pipe the verve like the oh yeah, Australia. not yeah. freshman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, the laugh of me. I cannot remember. Yeah, great. Uh, not a bad song. It's a great um, song. It's aged very well. That uh-huh. song. Uh, oh, Richard Ashcroft. I was waiting for him outside his bus. And this is just one of those seminal moments, you know, where it's like, what am I? I'm standing out here, like, waiting for some dude, like, mm-hmm. to get, try to get a picture of the top of his, like, his head. Like, what's this is dumb. I was waiting there for, like, six hours. He finally came out. And I remember, like, it was yesterday. Like, it was like Jesus Christ just got out, got of, out the of the bus. <laughs> and it was like, that, that made it worth it. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like just the power and the presence that mm-hmm. he kind of possessed. I mean, this is when I was like, you know, 17 or 16 or something. But um, those are the kind of things that, like, I don't know. Anytime we meet anybody, and granted, I mean, we're on a microcosmic, like, one one millionth level of all of these bands that, you know, I used to really celebrate and look up to. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll meet people sometimes that are as enthusiastic about what we're doing as I was about that stuff. And it's really like, it keeps you going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think about like, yeah, I used to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And like, if I wasn't, I don't think I would be here right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
It's good to remember that shit. You've sometimes. been on both sides of the coin. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. absolutely true. I every once in a while, there's been shows in town where, like, in between bands, I've been like the Roseland, like a sold out show, yep. and I'm talking to someone next to me in between bands, and a guy has turned around and been like, kind of looked, and then went back to what he was doing, and I was like, oh, that was weird. And he looks back again, and I'm like, hmm. I keep talking, whatever, and he turns around, and he's like, love the show. Nice. And I was like, from my voice, he's like, dude. I just heard it. I was like, no way. And I was like, are you serious? Like, that's happened several times in places where there was a cashier at Fred Meyer, the grocery store here in a part of town I don't live in, randomly in there. My wife and kids and I are buying something at the self-checkout, and this guy from down the way, dude, beer pleasure, keep it up, bro. Sick, dude. I was like, right on, bro. That's awesome. It's fucking cool. But, like, I'm the same way. Like, I would wait out for... um, so there was a show in at the Alaska State Fair. Uh, it was back when we were listening to ska music. It was like undercover SKA. Ska, ska music? Ska music. By the way, this sorry. Is, I, I don't want to interrupt. No, no, Did go ahead. Did you see this, I, this meme or whatever? I don't know. Ska music is the sound of a 13-year-old getting extra mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> at like Applebee's or something. <laughs> Oh my god. Funniest thing Dude. I've seen in the like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, sorry. <laughs> well, th- we were. <laughs> good, we, right? We, that's great. You just, I'm, I've got to use that. Uh, uh, some friends of mine. I'll, have, I'll send it to you. It's oh there my god. somewhere. Some it's really friends of mine have, are big ska fans, and yeah. I'm like, just like, oh my god, I can't do it. <laughs> but my buddy Nick and I couldn't get in. It was 21 and over. Uh, so we stood outside and skanked. The, the ska dancing through the whole set and the band saw it and got them to let us in for the last two songs awesome to then skank inside Dude. with a bunch of drunk alaskan like like fucking loggers that did not give a shit at all because we're like these guys need to be in here that's awesome so like but we would do that or we would wait out to try to find someone like i waited outside of rollins henry rollins uh bus deal because he comes out every time and talks right like He's so short. Rollins? As you, oh, my God. Damn. Really? So I'm like, you know, let's get a picture. I had to, like, put my arm around him, and I had to hip check him onto I, my hip. I know exactly what you're talking ground. about. So the look on his face, he's like, huh? Like, trying to look serious, but he's still a really like, good impression of him, by the <laughs> way. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so... Dude, it, what are you doing? Yeah, that, yeah. that was good. Yeah. You look at... Uh, he's turned me down for the show three times. I was just going to ask if he's three come times. on. Really? Yeah, Man, I feel like you, you and him would just kill it. I've had, I've had everyone around him on the show, uh-huh. from Ian McKay to fucking Jim Wilson, his guitar player, to maybe uh, he's just rolling back like the podcasts or something. Or I don't, I don't. He, I don't he does Rogan, he does well, Joey sure. Diaz, like na- like big national stuff. Like I'm uh, not getting 12 million downloads on this thing, but I'm right up there with Alec Baldwin. Sure, fucking number nine on the charts on iTunes, but he. Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, you'll, you'll get him, dude. I feel I feel it. I, I, yeah. Once a year, I write into Heidi May as manager. I, I used to write to him because he'd write back directly. Now he doesn't anymore. Uh, but I'll write his manager. I'm like, hey, how about this year? Mm-hmm. He's like, man, he's really swamped with this, whatever. And then, uh, yeah, so I'm like, okay, I'll wait it out. Keep pushing, man. Yeah, yeah. I'll wait it out. But like, and then I can say, hey, yeah, remember I lifted you up outside your bus like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also now picturing you skanking, eating mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but like, so they brought you in, right? Uh-huh. And they were like, "That was super fucking cool of them to do." Yeah. Right. And yeah, there's there's times that when we're out here, and I think when I'm outside, 
when, when I was outside the bus waiting for someone's fucking autograph or whatever, mm-hmm. if they had been like, hey, man, you want to chat or do you want to have like a cigarette or mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been that would have blown my fucking mind. You yeah. know what I mean? So now, like, I don't know if there's someone that wants to like I, I try to like act as if, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, just try to uh, if someone wants to have a conversation or talk about music or talk about like a book that they've just read or a movie they've mm-hmm. seen or something like I, I'll, I'll talk to that person about it. And, yeah. and it's like, I don't know, it's it's like paying it forward or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. That's the way to do it because, yeah. I mean, you never know who that person's going to, you nev- to you become. Nev- you never know. And you will meet them again. Yeah. And they will let you know. If yep. they remember that like, it was that that meaningful. you got to like, all, yeah, it's like, you know, we played this gig in um, Fresno like four nights ago. There were like 24 people there. There was no one there. Um, and it can get tough, you know. You've been doing this for 16 years, and you're like this far into it, and you show up, and there's mm-hmm. like no one at the gig. It can be a little deflating sometimes. But you get up there, and like you never know. Like we're just saying, like who's in the audience, yeah. or what they may need. Yep. And you know, we're as always, like we'll play like there's 2,000 people in the audience. If there's 10 people, doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. we go for it every night, every single time. That's no key. exceptions. No exceptions. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, got off stage. Some dude came up and he was like, "Thanks for the gig, man. Like, wish there were more people here." I was like, "Yeah, whatever. You enjoy it." He's like, "Yeah, you know, my father passed away like last week, and your record has like coincided with this." And like, damn, really glad that I didn't just phone the show in. You know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. like you just never know what could be going on out there. So yeah, Yeah, that's one. Like the old adage is uh, uh, treat people with respect because you don't know the burden they're carrying. Absolutely. You know, like uh, when my son was born, had heart surgery, four days old, right? I was going through some shit. Damn. If I went to Target and that cashier was not nice to me, I could have unloaded, and they would have no idea why. For real. You know. Um, But yeah, I see what you're saying with that. And we had like we had people back when we were touring that would come up to us, like uh, we'd see we did like Warp Tour one year. The next year we came back. Uh, someone come up to to meet us again, and be like, "Man, this was the heaviest thing. Like, uh, my girlfriend died after seeing you play. We were driving home, and we got in a car accident, and she died. So then you're carrying like, if we didn't play that, she came to see us. Oh, like, right, we were the band she came to see. If you didn't play the gig, then if we, she would. If we yeah. got sick, if we had a van trouble or whatever, maybe that she'd still be. And you have that uh-huh. way in your life. But he's like, she was so happy. She was like, we had the record going in the car. Like she was singing the songs." Like stuff like that, I didn't know how to handle it. There is no really, there is no way to handle that, you know. I still think about that. Like these are things that imprint on us too, you know. Mm -hmm. Like uh, as much as it imprints on that person, like you're, you carry those kind of meetings with you too, you know. Like yeah, man. But also, like same with podcasting. Like uh, Matt Carter, who started the the network, plays in a band called Emory. um, Emory, yeah, yeah, no Emory. Okay, he was always saying, you know. Even if five people listen to your podcast, you don't know who's listening. You know, it could be Kurt Cobain, Jesus Christ, whoever. You know, like who who knows who's listening? Yep. Which is a cool thing to think of and motivate you when you're first starting out because you're like, oh, I'm only getting this many downloads. Like, oh, who cares? You know, sure, but like, sure. You st- then you get an email from someone you respect and you're like, oh, you've already heard the show. Holy shit! Like, awesome. But then he's like, picture you have 500 people listening to your show. Imagine walking into your backyard and there's 500 people out there saying, hey, what do you got? Talk to us. Seriously. Think of it that way. You know, it's crazy. Dude, so you yeah. play those shows for, you know, 20 people. 
you are then imprinting on them for later down the road. Holy shit, dude! I saw this like I saw Mars Volta with five people. Right, totally. Their first two or three yep. at the Meow Meow. It is now someone's loft. Mm -hmm. It's that small. I'll remember that the rest of my and life. And you were, you were there for that. You get exactly. bragging rights too, you know. Which is exactly. Nice. So, yeah. Omar gave me a, a, a CDR of their first uh, EP and drew the cover by hand. He drew a clock with dick and balls as the arms, and it says <laughs> "Time to Rock." That was the Tremulant EP. I that still sounds have about it, right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. So I had Juan on the show. I told Juan the story because Juan was in Mars Volta, and he's like, he's uh, he's like, that sounds like Omar. Yeah. That's Omar right there. Oh, I love I love that story. You know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. That's you, nev what you're you never know who's listening. You never know exactly. who's out there. I often, I yeah, you know, and like when I'm having road rage or something in New mm -hmm. England because people drive like maniacs. Yeah, like even little shit like that. It's like I don't know what happened to that person today. I don't know what they've been going through. I don't know what's going on at home. I don't yeah. know what's going on upstairs. Like you just, you really never know um, the the full picture. So sure, that's one. Try thing, to treat though, people with respect. You know, like a specific example of. I don't know if it was on Rogan that they were uh, we were talking about this, but um, the reason people get road rage is because subconsciously, when you're driving, you understand that any small change could kill you, right. and it already puts you on high alert. So, so when anything happens, you are like, "What the fuck?" Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, and people will lose it. Right, because so you are like a deer. Yeah, it, it pushes around all the fucking ions inside. Uh -huh. in the different, yeah, right, right. That's a weird, some weird shit. Uh huh. But I think everyone experiences that. Any, yeah, I mean, that is some weird shit. Yeah. yeah. Anything that will inoculate me from something like that, whether it's like you know, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. So. Yeah. Don't know what's going on. Don't know what happened to that person that day. All that stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because I don't, I mean, we're not asking much on this. Show. And this is one thing. So, like, you did a really good, well, I'll shout it out here, because you did a really good episode a long time ago uh, with Ray Harkins on 100 Words or Less, where you went through uh, a lot of your childhood and, like, beginnings with music and, and things like that. So, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I remember that. It was, it was a while ago, yeah. but it was it was really in-depth into that. So I didn't bring up much of that stuff, because people can hear that stuff. Just sure, like yeah. with the record, like... Yeah. A lot of it's just, a, I mean, what we do is just a conversation, you know, and which I like. It's Conversational so stuff is so much, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm like, again, especially when you're right on the heels here of putting out a new record, mm -hmm. you almost feel like you're getting into this, like, politispeak, where you have, like, this canned, like, at first, when you, the first few interviews, it feels really fresh and robust, and, like, the ideas are so sort of germinating and percolating, mm -hmm. and then, like, you grab it, and then you spit it out, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that does, that, that addresses that specific question. Then you just start regurgitating that same answer over and over and over again yep. until it's diffused of all meaning mm -hmm. and you're completely like deoxygenated entirely from the whole thing. Like it just has no resonance, it means nothing. So yeah, conversational stuff is just sort of like much preferred to yeah. like just getting like standing on the bully pulpit and like sure. doing the campaign shit. So yeah, I, I appreciate that, oh, dude. You know? And and just the, yeah, the first question when the first question is how's the tour going? Yeah. I would shut down because it's like, okay, so what am I going to say? I'm tired and miserable. No, I'm going to say it's going great. Yeah. We're having a great time. It's awesome, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. What was it like recording with so-and-so? Yeah. It was like recording with so-and-so. Like, who gives a shit? Like, For if real, you want, if, you know, if you have like a 10-minute spot, yeah, you get the shit in there. You got to say, if you're on Good Morning America, yep. you got to deliver this to all those people that don't give a shit, you know. Uh, but what, what I wanted to ask you is, so... 
your music has so much to it. Like when you're saying talking about scoring and stuff for the the symphony and everything else, and you're playing for you know 15 people, you're playing for 3,000 people. Is it a lot of muscle memory for you, as far as it, just I in terms of like, the performance? Yeah, or oh, is yeah. it something where you can kind of just get lost in it and and really it, experience every night gets differently? Inc- it gets increasingly difficult to get swept up and lost in it. Um, I don't know why that is. I know there's a sophisticated, unpacked psychological answer for that mm-hmm. somewhere, like burrowed in the back of my mind. Sure. Um, but it does get harder to sort of let go and just mm-hmm. sort of be gone. That said, when you do achieve that, when that is accomplished, which mm-hmm. still happens to me, I don't know, for two or three moments of the show, to yeah. be completely honest, it makes it that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a lot of muscle memory. There is a lot of like, I mean, we're not putting on like a play. It's not like a, yeah. we're not on Broadway here. Sure. But you know, there are like moves and there are like tactics and strategies mm-hmm. that are like, this will work in conjunction with the lights because yeah. we take our light show pretty seriously. Um, so there are things that work all together, like this weird amalgamation of that stuff. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm always looking. Uh, that's one of the things I like about tour is that you're just, if you have a bad show, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's you can get revenge the very next day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And if you maybe didn't have like that, you know, breakthrough lost moment where, you know, you're no longer with us, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you got the next day to try to get that too. So you're just heightening the odds because you're expanding the base there sure. uh, of, of possibilities. So, yeah. Isn't it crazy you can have a bad show the second to last day of tour? Like you, you were so honed in, yeah. you can still have uh-huh. just shit oh, goes so wrong. There's so much going on, man. You know, there's monitor mixes and mm-hmm. there's like, the front row of the crowd really governs to me like what's going on I mean, we did San Francisco two nights ago and god man that was one of the best one of my favorite Caspian shows ever where did you play Great American okay. musical mm-hmm. and uh, it was full the vibe was just I mean off the hook and the, everyone in the front row is just having a fucking blast Yeah, they weren't there to like take pictures of the pedal board and they weren't there like <laughs> You know, like yes. catatonic, just like uh, they were having a really good time, and there was just just as hippie as it sounds like. And I usually try to you know veer away from this kind of thinking or language, but like there was like a transference between what we were doing and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you can feel like the Buddha, like you you're up on stage and propped up, and like yeah. no one shall be higher than yes. the Buddha, <laughs> and it's just really awkward. And you're like, damn, everyone's just staring at you, and it's like. After the show, I have to like run into the uh, sit in the bathroom by myself for 30 mm-hmm. minutes because it's like just feel like people's eyes are like grinding your skin off. But um, yeah, last night there was that, or two nights ago there was that that, that kind of unity with the crowd, mm-hmm. and it was, it was really really wonderful. Um, so that made that that helped make it a better show. And there were many moments during that show where yeah, I was just sort of forgot what I was playing, forgot where I was, forgot what song it was, like. I had no clue what was going on, but like my hands were still working and mm-hmm. like my back was still flexing and I was feeling fucking great. And like, that's, that's why you do this, you know? Like, Dude, yeah. that's one of the things. So when you never know who's in the audience. Yep. The first, I don't know if you listened to the episodes I've done with Yvette, but. Uh, I started it today. She was, she, she was telling me not to listen to she it. She was in the crowd at the 
first Portugal the Man show I played with them. Oh, damn. At Bottom of the Hill. Her mom dropped her off. She was in high school. Yeah. And that was one of the shows that got her wanting to do music and tour and that's, do it that way. That's awesome. It was so man. weird. And look what happened. Talking about, she's like, yeah. I've seen the YouTube video of it. Like, she, yeah. she was there in the crowd. And uh, yeah, it's at Bottom crazy. of the Hill. At Bottom of the Hill. Yeah, man. I love that, that venue. Uh, oh, we've played there so many oh, times. Man. I love that spot. They still put dude. the cases under the stage and uh -huh. shit, and then uh -huh. fucking that little apartment green room in the back. There's like, an amazing video of uh, Fleet Foxes playing Bottom of the Hill, like on their like third or fourth show ever. Mm -hmm. um, That's an incredible band. Yeah, I've, I've got a million recordings of Mark Koslick playing there. Mm -hmm. um, We've had really good times. Talk about a high stage, though, dude. That thing's oh, like dude. twelve feet off the ground. Well, you're in the right. You're on the right side of the crowd now because you're on stage. You're not standing in front of anybody. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> well, me. I, right. I feel bad, when, but you are towering over me. That's I a, and again, I can't. My dad's six foot nine. Six um, nine. He's six nine. Yeah, and he's like. Jesus Christ. He's got way better posture. I mean, uh -huh. he's terrifying. <laughs> he's the sweetest. He's a very loving, wonderful person. Yeah. But I mean, you know, he walks into a room and it's like, oh shit, I'm sorry, sir. Like, uh -huh. like yes, sir, don't don't give up on me, dad. Yeah. And like, but you know, at shows, he's the kind of guy that like he'll go to the third row and like won't give a shit. Yeah. Like someone will be climbing up his back just and he'll just be like, house. get away from me. <laughs> I have to be in the back, dude. Like I just feel like such a knob, like standing in front of somebody. Yeah. Like I, I feel like. I just feel awful. Um, can you do it? You can just stand wherever. Uh, I'm I'm very selective. Yeah, um, yeah. I usually try to stand side stage or yep. close by, yep. um, and if I can't find a good spot there, I'll stand in the back. Right. Um, no problem, because it just ruins it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a decent vantage point anywhere in the room. Yep. Most of the time. I mean, unless you really want to be right in the front row, which I'm never. I don't like. The last crowd experience I have ever had that I really remember was isis playing so did we at this club i was working at I and i was working song, security man. but i was walking into the crowd and they came in with that big crescendo ending like that just where everything like he hits the third gain stage on dun, the amp dun, 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 and it feels dun, like the like the earth is moving it was so packed in there that i literally somehow got wedged between multiple people and I was like, I don't even have to stand. I just let my legs, legs give out, and I just rocked with the crowd that like this. That sounds so... While it was like uh, heaving decibels at my face. It was amazing. Where was it again? At the, It was a place called uh, Branks. Yeah. So it was here. It was used to be called uh, the B Complex, Meow Meow. Uh, it's this big brick, like, industrial uh -huh. building. It's now a Wayfinder Brewing. Um, so did we, uh, man. Dude. I told so Aaron good, Turner good. about this experience. I had him on the show earlier oh, on. Oh, nice. And I told him about this, and he's like, dude, that's insane. I was just like, I know. I, it's such I a vivid image, it. too. I can really, I can see that, and I can, you just, the way you explain that, I can feel it in my, like, that sensation of, like, the legless, uh, like, just being lifted up. You it's know? got, like, yeah. it was, I mean, it was real. And that's I'm fucking not a small awesome. person, so the fact that there was that many people crammed in there that I, it's like when people talk about like a Ramon show at CB's or something. Mm -hmm. Like you literally just ring yourself out, and you're like two pounds. Like when you get out, but you're literally moving. But you have no control. That's the best. No man. control, and they're just everyone's moving in in time, and you know how they just. I mean, their heads are moving with like they're keeping time. Like they're not putting on a show. Rather, they're just yeah. like throwing it at so you. You, like, you come into the gig tonight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen? Have you seen us before? No. Oh, first time. Right? Yeah. So I think I think we just sold out, which is good. Yeah. So I think it'll be tight. 
which is good. Yeah. And, you know, if it's on, um, sometimes there is that uniform, like, everyone is just in the same, where just one big, like, you know, piece of grass blowing mm-hmm. in the wind mm-hmm. together, and it's really awesome. I hope that that happens tonight. Yeah. That, that would be I, great. Dude, you know. and it's, a, and I, I won't be here through the whole thing. Like, I'll probably be about halfway through. I have, like I said, my son is up at 4.30 in the morning, um, even on weekends. <laughs> it never changes, but... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when I go out to shows, I'm usually there. Yeah, oh yeah, Damn. he'll be up at 4:30, wanting to watch TV or or have a snack or whatever, wow. like do his thing. But uh, yeah, so it's one of those things where if I go to shows, I'm there for. I'll stick around for half, maybe. And if it's like, if I know there's not gonna be something going on the next day, like I'll try to get through as much of it as I can. Yeah, yeah. And then so, but that's where my life's at now. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Man. Like, well, it's, but yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do, brother. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, dude, I've this has been awesome. I don't even know yes. how hour and fifteen minutes. Oh, really? Yeah, bro. What do you have? You got shit going on. I gotta do another one in ten minutes. Oh fuck. Here, let me let me yeah, that wants me to send a photo of us. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna turn this off. But uh, dude, thank you. Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Phil Jameson from Caspian. On Circles is the new record. Go get it. Go buy it. Go stream it. Whatever you need to do, but check it out regardless. It's it, and it is it's a masterpiece. I said it before, but I mean Caspian is an amazing band, and they've really really hit the nail on the head with this one. This is a great record. You've been seeing it all over social media. Um, and big shout out to Monica for setting this one up. And uh, yeah, hopefully after this one, everyone will start hashtagging Freddie Vetter. Uh, for Phil and I, <laughs> it was nice to bring someone else into that into that deal. Uh, that's something we've been talking about since the beginning of the show. But uh, yeah, we'll see if it works. Well, maybe we'll get Freddie on the podcast. But uh, yeah, so if you guys see Phil on tour, shout out Freddie Vetter. Hashtag Freddie Vetter. Just say it. He'll laugh. Uh, it's going to be a good, a good little joke. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, guys, for coming back week after week. Really appreciate it. You know, you guys have been awesome. Check out the website, peerpleasurepodcast.com. Hit me up on email, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com, and I will definitely respond. It may take me a day or two, but I will get back to you. And, uh, yeah, been getting a lot of guest ideas and a lot of recommendations, and I really appreciate it. And a lot more reviews, guys. That has been awesome. We've gotten a lot a lot more reviews, and I'm going to start shouting those out on the show and reading them because uh, it's really important, and it, uh, it makes me feel good to uh, – get good or bad reviews i mean it, 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 they say you're not doing it right if you don't get a bad review or people aren't angry i don't think people are angry but uh you know even when i get a you know i, I prefer honest reviews and uh yeah got a few of those and and uh yeah we're gonna roll with it so anyways uh that's coming up in different episodes uh, i'll start shouting those out as they come in and uh give that a shot so thanks again guys if you've given a review of the show Definitely head over and do it if you haven't on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio.
Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.